Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full Time, another action packed week in the National League. Lots of goings on off the field as well. Well, joining me to look through everything is Rob Wall. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hi, Luke. And also, we have got on the line Tom Lang. Hello, Tom. Hi, Luke. And also joining us on the line is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. This week in the National League, Rob, there's been a lot of goings on off the field, hasn't there? The main one, of course, is David Beckham putting in shares at Salford City. Yeah, it's interesting, having watched his interview there. He said he was always keen, and uh, he was very much part of that uh, sort of band of brothers, wasn't he? Uh, the, the class of 92, as they were called. And uh, and when the other ones all got involved in the initial purchase of shares at uh, Salford, he couldn't get involved because... Uh, he was busy trying to set up his own uh, North uh, American club, Miami, isn't it? Uh, but that seems to be uh, settled down now and on its way. And, uh, yeah, he's come in and joined them. And it's a real kind of warning shot, isn't it, to the others, especially at a time when, uh, until yesterday anyway, Orient and Wrexham were just stuttering a little bit, um, just showing how serious Salford are about getting straight through this league in, in, in one go. We'll look at the results in just a minute, but what a crazy week. We thought we'd had a bit of a crazy month, didn't we? But it all happened again this midweek, and uh, I, I, I've only just managed to keep across it all. So Richard Money, who we all talked up how, yeah, give him time, he'll get it done. Well, he lasted a few days longer in the job than he did at Solihull Moors. He's moved upstairs to allow Craig Hignett to take the reins at Hartlepool. Meanwhile, um, big news was about to drop that John Still had become the new Maidstone manager, coming out of his very, very brief retirement. But Braintree went and uh, uh, pulled the rug out from underneath by announcing that Hacken Hayretton had gone to be John Still's assistant before it had even been announced that Still was taking over at Maidstone. Um, Hacken Hayretton's assistant, Danny Searle, has uh, at least for the time being been put into the managerial hot seat at Braintree and of course this week Darren Curry was confirmed as the Barnet manager and he'll lead them out against Brentford uh, on Monday evening in the FA Cup match there uh, what a crazy merry-go-round of managers we've had more so than normal uh, this year Luke it's, uh, it's hard to keep up with at the moment yeah, talk about um, the magic roundabout. I mean, there has been a roundabout, hasn't there? As you say, it's a, it's a massive, massive merry-go-round uh, this week in the National League. In terms of Richard Money, do you think he's kind of thought management's not for me, I'm more better maybe doing a director football role? That's exactly what he's been quoted, really. I think he, he had the beginnings of those thoughts within a few days. And the more that he spoke to and got to know, got to know Craig Hignett, he kind of realised that they probably had different strengths and Hignett's were more suited to being hands-on day-to-day going from one game to the next whereas uh, I think Richard Money prefers to just be a little bit one step removed and uh, a little bit more strategic in the way he works so we'll see how that one uh, pans out over time mixed fortunes we might as well start although it's not really the top um, uh, end of the division but with that battle of the two new managers really uh, Hignett against uh, Danny Searle, Hartlepool and Braintree. I think Braintree were well in that one, but uh, Hartlepool did the opposite to what they've been doing all season, came from behind. Nicky Cabamba on the score sheet again, his second goal in two games since joining from Haven and Waterlooville, and he was also pulled down uh, for a late penalty as well that uh, secured all three points uh, 
for Hartlepool. But Luke, back up the top, well, it's almost normal service resumed, isn't it? Uh, Orient with the token 3-0 win against Maidstone. Um, and John Steele will have watched that and thought, my goodness me, I've got a job on my hands here. Uh, Macaulay Bond with a couple of goals and keeping him right hot on the heels of Danny Rowe, who performed miracles again for Files, who we have to consider as title contenders now, boys. Take a look at the table. Um, they got a brilliant 2-1 win against Solihull Moors, and that is a curse of the podcast because we said just last week while the others were all slipping up Solihull kept digging out the result Is it a really big win that for Fail, Chris wasn't it down at Solihull Yeah absolutely a massive one and as Rob said um, whatever Macaulay Bond can do um, Danny Rowell he can equal can't he as well so he uh, he popped above uh, Macaulay Bond again or stayed above Macaulay Bond but um, I did notice actually that Fail had brought a, a player I saw last season at Chester he's at Notts County this season Tim Crawford in real bright young midfielder and I thought that's a, a real decent introduction so it just shows that they're adding as well in, the, in their promotion push and obviously hot on the heels of Solihull and just one quickly on Solihull I listened to the interview with Tim Flowers it's the first defeat this year by the way in 2019 he came out with a really amusing quote I thought he said well we are allowed to get beat we're probably 19 places further up the division than we thought we'd be at this stage <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair play as we said they keep the, the punching above the weight Solihull Moors but just on file there's an interesting quote from Dave Challoner and it shows how serious they are he said they've been turning down bids of more than £150,000 for Danny Rowe and I think the club and Danny Rowe both comfortable with the situation they're in and comfortable with how things are going at the club as well and that it's good loyalty from both sides that absolutely yeah I think uh, Danny Rose staying at file probably this time round will depend on whether they can get promoted up to the football league or not it seems a natural natural move for him to stay if that makes sense if they go up but uh, you know so so prolific now over three solid seasons as well Danny Rowe and he has to get a chance in the Football League he'll be hoping Fylde will be hoping it'll be with them in the Football League but we'll have to wait and see um, you know just on that race for the title again though um, we have to consider also Sutton United as contenders now they're eight points behind but they do have a game in hand on the five teams above them and they did it again boys I don't know how many times I've gone on about Sutton scoring crucial late goals. 94th minute yesterday for Sutton. And on this occasion, it was Jimmy Torre. It couldn't be uh, Collins because Collins wasn't playing uh, and nor was Eastman. So what a great three points that was for Sutton against an Ebbsfleet side that had been on a brilliant run under Gary Hill. And, and by all accounts, reading the match reports, uh, a slightly fortuitous uh, win for Sutton. Ebbsfleet um, thought to be the better side over the game. Paul Doswell praised uh, praised his team for that. He said it was a, a brilliant result without Jamie Collins and Craig Eastman, as you said. And just on Jimmy Torrey, he, he, he kind of is one of those players now he needs to lay down his roots a little bit. He's almost become a bit of a, a National League journeyman already. He started the season at Wrexham last season, went to Macclesfield, was at Fylde at the start of the season, now he's at Sutton. So he's had a few clubs and I suppose he just needs somewhere to really bed in now and, and hopefully Sutton's his home. In terms of Wrexham, they got back to what? they know uh, winning 1-0 scoring one goal and keeping a clean sheet and uh, that was a big result for them with Salford surprisingly going to Halifax and only drawing 0-0 yeah I mean amazing really yeah Wrexham as you say they would have killed for a 1-0 yesterday and uh, normal service resumed as for Salford well the big sort of drum roll all week with Beckham 
obviously coming into the fold and then uh, they go and get themselves a nil-nil at, uh, at Halifax but before we look at that totally from a Salford City perspective well done Halifax they've just picked up a little bit of late and uh, by all accounts they very easily could have won that game yesterday so uh, uh, credit to them they're, they're still not safe Halifax I've mentioned them a couple of times as a side that could still drop into the battle down at the bottom and uh, a point against Salford uh, is a good achievement for them even if on the day they might have had all three and that just leaves in the top seven Harrogate Town who didn't get to play uh, due to play Barnet that one was called off and uh, uh, because of Barnet's uh, FA Cup tie on Monday evening and, and they do have a game in hand too and they're 10 points off at Harrogate the, the, the issue with sort of considering them still in the title race is, is probably their form um, third bottom in the form guy just one win in the last six yeah and we'll move on to the bottom as you say it, it's a case of they've got to be careful Halifax but two teams who are really down there quite surprisingly at Chesterfield again they got another draw against Barrow John Sheridan said he, he's pleased with how they're trying to play but they're on edge at home which is understandable really uh, they drew 0-0 against Barrow which Ian Evett praised Barrow's character in that game and then all the shot picked up a really good draw at Dagenham and Redbridge yeah I mean it's, an, it's another one of those a bit like the Halifax draw against Salford on paper you look at it you say it's a good one uh, but by all accounts and that's including Peter Taylor as well the Dagenham manager I think Aldershot did probably shade that one yesterday uh, although they took a point apiece for Dagenham and Redbridge they flattered to deceive a little bit on the day and part of that is due credit to Aldershot Town and their energy and effort but uh, it has been a real resurgence from them they're healthy mid-table now and uh, I caught up with one of their fans uh, who, you know, witnessed the hard times last season and uh, I caught up with him prior to yesterday's game. This is Luke Maguire. Right, I've turned up at Dagenham and I couldn't resist the temptation of the, what's it called, the Enjoy Cafe, is it? Which was brilliantly positioned between the uh, tube station and the ground and and the smell of uh, breakfast brought me in. But uh, I've come in now and I've met uh, Luke and his friend Tom. Tom. Luke McGuire. Luke, what an incredible 12 months in the life of Dagenham and Redbridge. Um, where do we start? I mean, it's well documented, the financial issues last season. And obviously he's tumbled away from the playoffs and, and we're just glad to have a club, weren't you, at that point? Yeah. Just take us from there. Rider Coast is obviously the cliche. But um, we ended up last summer not even knowing if we'd have a club. Started off the season quite poorly. Um, Peter Taylor was a massive surprise, to be honest, to get such a high-profile name come in. Um, he struggled with the players that he had. And then with the new owners, a few new players, and just seems to kind of give the whole place a lift. So he's got good context, good level of experience in football, Peter Taylor. But as you say, he didn't get it right to start with. Was that probably because he was trying to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I mean, it's it's not that he wasn't getting it right. I just don't think he had the players for what he wanted to do. Um, he's been quite open to the fans, at fans forums about it. Mm. And uh, I think just next season, once he's got players that he wants, the type of players he wants, then I think it'll be, you'll see a massive difference. And looking ahead to this game today, it's it, I. I guess that contrast is never more clearer to a club like Aldershot who were riding high edge of the playoffs last year came here and were pretty ruthless I think 2-0 two, two they won and literally the shoes are on the other foot this season aren't they I mean Aldershot probably not in such dire financial straits as you were at the time but um, obviously trying to get by and, and, and Gary Waddock trying to trying to get points with a team that lacks leaders and, and has too many youngsters what's your feeling coming into the game today because you're very late as form 
has been a little bit indifferent in the last four games, but you did win last time out at Maidstone. Yeah, I'm not sure how much we can take into Maidstone. Um, a lot of people win there. But we've, we've had some good wins. Ori in the home, um, Salford away. So we, we can beat the big boys, but I think it's the sort of league where everyone can beat everyone. It's quite hard. Yeah, I mean, that was a staggering win up at Salford. I don't think anybody saw that one uh, coming. Talk to us a little bit about Connor Wilkinson, because you got him here on loan, and recently you signed an 18-month contract. You must be really chuffed about that. Yeah, I think it says a lot that he'll, he's willing to come down to the National League to play. Um, when he was here, he's been absolutely fantastic. Fans love him, players seem to love him, and he looks like he's enjoying his, his football. Now, how are you feeling right now? You're like, do you know what? It's just nice to come into this stage of the season, knowing we'll have a club, getting a few wins, scoring a few goals, or are you having a sneaky look at that table and just looking at the difference to the playoff positions? Myself, I'm not looking at playoffs. I know a few fans are, but considering the situation at the start of the season, mm. just being here is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think next year will be the big push, pushing for promotion next year. Fantastic, Luke, thanks, and Tom as well for joining us. Uh, Tom was here in the background, but he was very honest to admit to he's a bit more of a casual fan. I'm West Ham. He's West Ham, there you go. Well, I was here however many years ago it was when Dagenham won the league. Uh, I think it was about 4,000 here. Uh, they beat Aldershot, they won the league. And I left the ground thinking it didn't really feel like a ground where the team had just won the Football League, but I think there was about 2,000 West Ham fans there that day. I promised my young sons that uh, they go. Now you're proving that this interview is live because you've just had the food turn up. Uh, I'll make my leave. Good luck this afternoon for the rest of the season. Good to meet you. Both of you. Cheers. And that was Dagenham and Redbridge fan Luke McGuire and uh, him and Rob scoffed the breakfasts down and went off to the game and enjoyed a very entertaining fair. Very, very competitive first half, an enjoyable uh, watch, but just lacked a little bit of quality. And then the goals uh, went in after the break. Connor Wilkinson, who I was hoping to catch up with for, for, uh, for the podcast, unfortunately I, I, I didn't manage to catch up with him afterwards, but uh, he got uh, his ninth goal since joining Dagenham and Redbridge. He's now joined, of course, on an 18-month deal. Uh, slight deflection off Josh Lennon for the finish which wrong-footed Will Mannion but uh, let's talk about the other goal and talk about the other man for just a minute uh, it was the uh, homecoming the return of the Mentz uh, Bernard Mentz baby as the shots fans call him St Bernard um, St Bernard that's it that's another one that he's been uh, daubed with uh, obviously got his move up to Bristol Rovers didn't quite get the opportunities he would have liked there went on loan to Lincoln City earlier in the season and of course, you can only play for two uh, EFL clubs in the same season. So uh, he was ripe for the picking after his loan spell ended at Lincoln. Uh, Gary Waddock's got him back in. Just his return has lifted the whole place over the last week. And he didn't disappoint. He played a key part in that performance yesterday. And he came up with the equalising goal. Uh, beautifully timed run and bullet header. Uh, getting on the end of a, an exceptional Lewis Kinsella cross. And yeah, Aldershot Town, so much more energy, so much more belief than we've seen in recent months and weeks. And uh, the frustrating thing for them boys is that uh, they now don't have a game again for two weeks. And when they do, they'll uh, pick up against Eastleigh, who we should mention. They got a late, late winner as well at Bromley yesterday. Andrew Boyce with the strike there. And they're now just one place and one point off the playoffs. And Rob caught with the goal hero for Aldershot after the game, Bernard Mensah. Welcome back to Aldershot Town, Bernard Mensah. Um, 
that moment that you dreamt about all week happened. It wasn't to be three points, but uh, just to give us your reaction to the afternoon's draw at Dagenham and Redbridge. No, it's a great performance. Uh, obviously, I don't know how the lads have been performing before I came, but obviously the results haven't been good enough. And if we play like that every game to the end of the season, I think we'll be all right. But um, like I said, it's a great start. Something to build upon at, at Eastleigh in a couple of weeks. We've got the week off. We've got a couple of players coming back as well. So we have a, a fuller squad and the gaffer will have headaches for me to choose from. But the lads out there worked their socks off and left everything on the pitch. And like I say, it's a good point away from home and something to build on. I think it was felt that probably the consensus that Aldershot probably just shaded both halves. But the mm-hmm. first half, both sides, to be fair, lots of effort, but did lack quality. Mm-hmm. How did you see the uh, Dagenham goal? From our angle, it looked as though Wilkinson struck it well, but there was a deflection that wrong-footed. Yeah, really? a little deflection. I think it come off Josh's, Josh Leland's calf and it sent uh, Will the wrong way but like I said we, we thought I think uh, a couple of weeks ago they would have crumbled well that's what the gaffer said we didn't crumble in there so um, like I said we reacted we got the goal and got a point so something to build on as I said before and let's talk about that goal uh, mm-hmm. mentioned in commentary the ball came out to Kinsella on the mm-hmm. left he does like to get an early cross in but mm-hmm. he, he, took he took a, a touch, touch to yeah. control and then the ball came in now you'd obviously before the ball even comes in you've obviously done well to lose your man mm-hmm. because by the time you rose onto what was a beautifully struck cross you actually were unmarked and, and I think you said to me off air a minute ago you, you almost couldn't miss it was that good yeah across. I couldn't miss Lewis put the ball on my head I couldn't really do anything else but put it in the goal but um I said we've been working on crossing this week because uh, Gaffer said they haven't put enough balls into the box and we've done that today. I had a couple of chances from crosses, especially one in the first half which just went wide and a, a few in the second half as well. One that went over and another one that keeper tipped over. So we worked on it and it's it's worked. So uh, we just have to keep doing what we're doing, keep working hard and, uh, on the training field and hopefully, like I said, climb up the table. It's a good point. It's been a mixed year for yourself as mm-hmm. well documented uh, your spells at Bristol Rovers uh, it's obviously still your club and, mm-hmm. uh, and Lincoln City mm-hmm. but just in the moment that feeling of scoring a goal and running to the adoring fans it hasn't happened for a while for you how did it feel? No, yeah my last goal was I think Hartlepool for us which was about mm. a year and two mm. months ago so mm. I've played a few behind closed doors games or scoring them but it's not the same as a, as a proper game but no it's, it's great it's great to be back like I said um, great to see the fans smiling again because like I said without the fans there's, there's no club really is there so um, it's good to see them smiling again hopefully we can see uh, more smiles before the end of the season and push up the table and that was Bernard Menson he, he speaks really well and he seems delighted to be back yeah I think so um you know, he he really is adored by the shots faithful, and he left on very very good terms. And and interestingly, because talk is cheap, isn't it? I know for a fact I've seen him at three of. He, he he's been back since he left Aldershot to watch at least three games. So uh, he really has got a genuine love for the club, and uh, he's also got a love of playing football matches and scoring goals. And this represents his best opportunity. Uh, just now another big result at the bottom of the table Rob as well and, and one that you would have been interested in quite pleasing was having and Dover played each other and cancelled each other out with a nil-nil draw yeah they did and uh, whilst haven't were at home in that one they will have ended up far the more pleased with that nil-nil draw because they had Chris Robertson sent off in the first half so uh, they got a point against you know rejuvenated Dover side in recent weeks uh, with 10 men so credit to them for that and uh, you know, I have to shamefully admit that when you're looking around and your team's only got a point, you, you look at the other results. You want to see whether that's a good point or, or whether you've lost ground. And uh, it turned out to be a decent point yesterday. None of the bottom eight sides managed to get a win yesterday. So all those that did get a point will have uh, felt a little bit better about that after after they'd seen the results. It's going to be a scrap, isn't it? Um, 
I've got to come to Barnet for a minute. They haven't played, and obviously, uh, you know, soon after this podcast comes out, they will be in action in the FA Cup. But for one reason or another, and it's mainly their cup exploits, 26 games played. Everybody else in the division, 30 or 31. They're going to have a right old snarl up there. And, uh, you know, I think for Barnet, it's going to be headlong the end of the season, isn't it? And, uh, you know, uh, realistically, they're probably too far adrift now to consider themselves in the uh, in the playoff races but who wants five games in hand boys nobody surely what do you think Chris no no absolutely and um, but you know what I think um, I think they take it for the FA Cup they're on and uh, best wishes to them because obviously by the time the podcast comes out we'll know whether how they've done in the FA Cup in terms of Robert I mean what's your what's your sort of take on it do you, do you prefer to have the points on the board or would you rather see because you know you've got five games in hand you know sort of if you win them where you're kind of going to be in the table yeah 100% I'd always take points I'd take anything just over half of the points available rather than the games in hand no question about that I've played uh, many years for clubs you know albeit more at a parks level where you've got constant problem with pitches in the winter and you end up at that level not only playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, but Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday. And it's ridiculous, you know. Uh, it becomes very, very hard to uh, amass the kind of points that you might have got if you've got uh, three, four, five days in between games. And the, the, other, the only other game as well in the National League was it up at the International Stadium. It finished Gateshead 1, Boreham Wood 1, Scott Bowden equalising for Gateshead there in the 73rd minute. And that draw does neither of those teams any favours whatsoever. We're now going to look at the National League North. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So in the National League North, Chris, it was a, an eventful day at a few of the grounds, wasn't it? I mean, none more so than at Nethermore at Geisley but we'll get on to what happened at the top of the league in a minute but it was a nine goal thriller at Nethermore wasn't it <laughs> yeah we have to start there really it would be uh, it'd be a miss not to yeah crazy crazy game if you look at the way the scoring went as well Boston were up 1-0 one all 2-1 Boston um, sorry 2-1 Geisley 2-all 3-2 three 3-all three and then it went five, um, four, three, five, three, five, four. So it was a, it was just a, a crazy, crazy game. And if you listen to the managers afterwards, they they sort of agreed that it was a bit of a, a bit of a crazy game. Craig Elliott even said that you know, it was just a freak game. It was good forward play from both teams, obviously. And um, Russ O'Neill, we get said we gave away some horrendous goals today. But if you're a fan, even if you're on the losing end of that, you're probably looking at it thinking, "Well, I've uh, I've definitely got my value for money." You have to feel for Rowan Lybird as well. Hat trick and scored four goals at home, and yet they still lost. Oh yeah, definitely. I think any time you score a hat trick, you sort of expect to be on the on the winning side. A bit indicative of Geisley's season, isn't it? They're, they're flattered to deceive on many an occasion, and they are normally quite tight at the back. But you can't get beat five four at home. Let, let's be honest. Yeah, and I mean, guys, they've um, they kind of caught up on the games now. They had a big game against Hereford midweek and were leading that before being pegged back and only drawing one each. And we we, we both, well, we all expected Geisley to, to pull away from that drop zone, but they're not, are they? They're not. They're, they've always been a comfortable sort of three or four points above it, which they are at the minute as well. And we'll come on to Ashton United a bit later because they won yesterday. But uh, I, I keep saying I think they'll be fine, but it only takes... 
you know, a bad run, and they're not on a great run. They're on a lose, draw, lose, draw, lose, draw run at the moment, and um, they could be subsumed in in that. It, and just below them, of course, you've, as you say, Ashton United, they uh, got a massive win at Nuneaton yesterday. It was, it, it, it was a six-pointer because it virtually relegates Nuneaton. They are really far adrift, but they leapfrog FC United, who, who lost at home to Stockport County, but a massive result for Ashton, and it puts them four points adrift now. Oh, it's an absolutely huge win, and um, I think it says as much about Nuneaton at the moment as it as it does about Ashton. I saw Stockport County beat Ashton United six 0 just before Christmas, and I looked at them and I thought, God, they they are really going to struggle to well to to keep teams out. But they've gone to Nuneaton, they've got a they've got um, a clean sheet on that one, and they've nicked the win in the end. I know they've brought a lot of players in, and Jordy Bannon working with the constraints that he does have, but absolutely huge win for Ashton United and one other thing on the National League North this weekend Luke I looked down the list of fixtures and I looked at we always have a chat about which ones we're going to focus on more than others and there's probably only one game the Curzon Ashton Darlington game that probably wasn't that interesting and didn't have as much on it as all the others every other game there was either a shock or there was a fantastic performance in there and it just says so much about the strength and the interest in this division yeah, for Ashton, that's two wins on the bounce and two clean sheets as well. I think the result of the day, though, Chris, has to be, go to Hereford, who won 3-2 up at Blythe. I think so, and, and I almost have to have to say that, and um, maybe have to um, apologise a little bit to Richie, because Telford went and won 4-0. I'm sure we'll talk about that away from home at Southport. But I think, um, yeah, result of the day to, to Hereford. They've been struggling of late. Um, they, have, <laughs> they haven't really been able to buy a victory, and they've gone up to Blythe. Blythe, not in the best run of form themselves, but still a really, really tricky place to go. And that would have been nervous for Hereford. After not having won for so long, they were 2-0 up in that game, ended up winning it 3-2. But Blythe just kept coming back at them. And um, you know, Mark Richards admitted it wasn't a vintage performance, but it was a they found a way to win. They've also got um, Australian defender Jimmy Oates is back there at Hereford. He's he's a fan's favourite. He's previously been at Hereford. He was on. Um, he'd been playing for Exeter City this season. He's come back on loan. And I think that's probably given everyone a bit of a lift there at the club. Just on Blythe, though, I don't know whether you noticed the the statement they put out a couple of days ago, Luke, about um, it's the highest they've ever played. You know, they've done so well to be in this division, and they need to push up their average gate from about seven hundred to a thousand and I thought it was interesting yesterday I looked at the attendance I think they had 783 yesterday and I think that really shows the struggle that they're going to have because although it's a long way from Hereford up to up to Blythe they are a well supported club Hereford and Blythe are basically appealing to those fans who maybe um, uh, don't come every week or maybe used to come but don't anymore or just to, to get back and try and get support in Blythe because they really need to work on a gate of a thousand to be uh, competitive at this level Yeah and it's interesting I think after the beat Boreham Wood they did an interview with Alan Armstrong and he basically said like it just shows we can compete against National League size and he kind of said yeah that's where we want to be but as you say if they've got ambitions of going up and doing or doing okay in the National League then they will need to up the crowds won't they 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, you know, they are well. Those seven, eight, three make a lot of noise. Let's say that it's a really difficult place to go. Um, but let's wish them the best with those efforts because for me, I think it's been fantastic to have Blythe and your Spennymores in this division. It's great to stretch it a little bit. I'm not sure. I'm not sure your Lemingtons and your Brackleys would agree with that. <laughs> Travel all the way up to the up to the northeast. But I think you need uh, to be a true National League North. You do need that northeast representation. And looking at the top now, Charlie, they extended the lead. They got a really good win at York City. I know it's been a baptism of fire for Steve Watson. He faced the top two in the in the last couple of weeks and, and not come through it at all with flying colours. But Charlie just keep marching on. And to go to York and score four, no matter how maybe poor York are doing it, I mean, it's still a great result. Just relentless, Luke. Charlie are just relentless. Every time you look and think that could be a tricky fixture. I looked at that despite where York are in, in the table and thought that's going to be tricky. Steve Watson's had a bit longer to bed in. He watched his team um, at Stockport County last week. That could be a really tricky fixture. The fans will turn up and they did turn up, but um, no, it was, you know, they, they, they did well, didn't they, Charlie? They got on the front foot. Jamie Vermiglio was saying in the first half they were relentless and that's their sort of signature at the moment and they just keep winning. But we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Stockport County at the minute. They're on a great run, so are Spennymore. But those teams just keep matching themselves and matching each other and you, you can't pick between them at the moment. In terms of York, just a, a second on York because their league position does look precarious at the moment. But Steve Watson did have a bit of bad luck, really, from his point of view. At the fixtures that he's been dealt, he's had to play the top two in in consecutive weekends, and he, you know, he said that he did see a lot of good things. What what I thought was really interesting is that he's brought three players in this week, all from higher divisions he's brought in Tom Bradbury from Dundee centre half he's brought in Scott Burgess from Berry, Paddy McLaughlin who previously played from York from Hartlepool so he's looking to bring players in and I'm not surprised actually listening to some of the interviews he did do last last week he he, he didn't look too happy with the uh, with the squad he's been left let's just say that I was going to say in a way it'll have um, not pleased Steve Watson but it'll He'll, he'll certainly know the task ahead of him having faced Charlie in Stockport and come up really short he'll know that if he's that York certainly can't compete against the top so five five or six seven sides in that division and that'll be his job now to bring in players who probably now for next season he'll know look if York do get on and push for promotion that they can compete against your Charlies your Stockport counties if they do stay down or your Bradfords yeah. Telfords things like that yeah, I totally agree. And uh, you know the way he's looking at it is, you can't have two more difficult fixtures than the ones he's been dealt. So I think he'll be looking forward to uh, the games to come. So Stockport they kept up the pressure with a two-one win at FC United. Not the result FC United wanted either. As I said Ashton Elite for them now. They did take the lead, and for a while it looked like Stockport were really going to struggle. Uh, but the goal right on half time, Chris from uh, Frankie Mulhern, really kind of gave him that boost. Yeah, it did, and they they came out in the second half, and they were they were really good by by all accounts. Um, you do feel for SC United; they probably thought that they would be able to um, turn them over after going one 0 up, especially the sort of atmosphere that you get at an FC United um, Stockport game. It's always quite quite lively and quite noisy, and with the fans behind them, they would have hoped to to have got something from that. But Stockport County just don't know how to lose at the moment, and as Tom rightly said earlier they've got one of the best records in uh, well did he say the best in the in the five divisions at the moment they just keep winning but as I said earlier so do Chorley and so do Spennymore and those three clubs are doing fantastic just one thing to note on Stockport County 
and that may give the other sides uh, hope at the moment um, is that uh, centre-half Jamie Stott has been recalled from his uh, loan spell or he's going back to Oldham anyway it was the end of his loan spell and he's formed an absolutely fantastic partnership with with Ash Palmer and so that might be a bit of glimmer of hope for the for the other teams but at the moment they're just a they're just a juggernaut that no one can stop and they're finding ways to win every single match at the moment over the last 10 games this season Stockport County have picked up more points than anyone else in the country Excellent. in the top 70 of English football another surprise result was Leamington beating Altrincham by three goals to nil and Altrincham had Jordan Hume sent off and that looks like it could be a four game ban now and also a really good result for, for spending more against Chester uh, what other results caught your eye Chris well the, the Southport uh, Telford one was a was a big one for me uh, who'd have thought that Southport on a great run of form at the moment however Telford are as well you know Telford uh, have been fantastic this season and one of possibly one of the surprise packages and I know their hashtag is, is trust the process so I'll give that a bit of airtime. and uh, they are trusting the process and I think Gavin Cowan's doing a fantastic job there really good really good job at Telford and uh, a little bit of a shock for, for Southport I think um, there they have lost the last two now after being on a on a tremendous run of form and uh, I I think they would have fancied themselves for sneaking into those playoffs, but if they they do need to write this this last um, this last uh, week run of form. And in terms of Telford, it looks like they could be leapfrogging Bradford Park Avenue at the moment because they they've picked up one point in the last fifteen, and uh, Telford are right on the tail at the moment. Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full Time Podcast. So we'll do the National League South now, and it's advantage Torquay now, Tom. Torquay, uh, they went goal crazy yesterday. They were 5-0 up at half-time, won 7-2 in the end against Oxford City. And that, coupled with Woking losing surprisingly at home to Wheelstone, as I say, gives Gary Johnson's many advantage now. It does. It does indeed. You know, uh, statistically, Woking can still go top. Uh, statistically, I mean, maths, etc. Uh, they've got two games in hand and only four points behind, but... It's the old adage you'd always rather have the points in the bag wouldn't you um, the phrase you use their goal crazy is absolutely spot on for Turkey uh, a 7-2 win doubles from both Psycho Jane and Jamie Reid taking Jamie Reid to the top spot for scorers in the National League South uh, and a hat-trick from Jake Andrews it's almost as though Gary Johnson's connections at Bristol City are paying off because they brought them five goals yesterday uh, Psycho Jane's in on loan and I think he's got uh, 12 since he came in on loan from Bristol City and uh, Jake Andrews also on loan uh, from there and he got himself a hat-trick which is a, a nice change from him after he missed the penalty against Bath City last week since Gary Johnson came in in 18 games they've scored uh, I think an average of 3.1 goals a game they've scored 55 goals which to compare to what they were doing under Gary Owens before in the 9 games he managed this season they were averaging 0.56 goals a game um, the Torquay fans wanted a change in management and approach and they've got it and you know the crucial thing is it's real. It's wielding results as well um, their points per game average has gone up from 1.3 under Gary Hours to 2.5 under Gary Johnson on the other foot uh, Oxford City they've lost four on the bounce now um, and having had a really good start to the season uh, they're sort of in danger of their season petering out a little bit uh, down to 13th stuck in the mid-table mire and they're going to need to get that turned around as quick as they can. Terrible run for Oxford City at the minute, isn't it? And, and, and talking of Wielding, as we said, Wheelstone, really good win at Woking in a performance that Alan Dowson, the Woking manager, says they weren't good enough. They were second best all over the park. Absolutely. Um, and 
you know that we were just talking about it before we started recording, weren't we? About David Pratt. Um, he's having a very good season at Wilson. He's got nine goals and again, like Wilson, another club where it's a bit of a difficult to assess season so far. They're they're stuck in mid table. They probably, based on their FA Trophy run last year, could have expected to be a bit higher in the league. Um, and maybe that's the sort of win that will give them the confidence. For Woking, although it's only two matches, it's now three weeks since they got a win. Obviously, they lost and they drew against St Albans last week. They missed the week before and it was Welling where they won 2-0 the week before that. So that's all the way back to the 9th of January now. And even the warning signs were there, really. Um, they got the result against Welling, but they weren't impressive. The second best for the first half of that game. Um, and Welling sort of dropped off in the second. Um, so, yeah, the warning signs have been there for Woking for a couple of weeks, really. And uh, Alan Dawson, you know, he's a shrewd operator. He'll definitely have a plan to turn that around. Do you think Wheelstone should be doing better, Tom, in the end? They've kind of flattered to deceive with the squad they've got. They should be really pushing for the playoffs, and they haven't really. And there was a bit of pressure on Bobby Wilkerson a couple of weeks ago, but they've had a couple of decent results. Yes, um, the short answer to your question, yes, they should be doing better. You know, I'm just looking through their form. They went through a run of five games without, without any wins, and that included losses to, you know, uh, Eastbourne, uh, to Slough Town those are games that the likes of Wilston should be winning really um, but they have picked up in recent weeks you know they've they've picked up points against teams around them in the table such as Slough draws against Dartford and Concord Rangers are decent results um, and they've now won two on the bounce so I'd expect them to be in the playoffs at the end of the season that's where I thought they would be at the beginning of the season and they should still have enough to finish up there it was a brilliant we talked about David Pratt it was a brilliant overhead kick as well to seal the to, to seal the game there Bath City though they they slipped up I know Gary Johnson was worried about them as we said last week and they beat Tarkey but they couldn't take advantage of Woking losing by only drawing at Gloucester City 0-0 and they've continued their revival under Mike Cook now Gloucester and, and they may well get out of it now yeah they could um, it's interesting there's three teams drawing on 23 points at the bottom there now aren't there there's East Thurrock Gloucester City and Hungerford Town as you say they've got the new manager in Mike Cook uh, a little bit of a new manager bounce there um, and particularly good good result that considering as you say how the sort of uh, run Bath have been on um, you know they've not dropped a lot of points in the last two or three months really they're third in the form tables behind Torquay and Woking they obviously got that big, big 3-2 win against Torquay. Again, another old adage that the form book goes out the window when it comes to uh, to local derbies. Uh, Gloucester third from bottom in the form table, Bath third from the top, and a 0-0 draw was the outcome. I don't think you'd have predicted that before the game. But yeah, really good result for uh, Mike Cook. And he's still yet to lose as Gloucester manager. And staying at the bottom as well, it was a good result for East Thurrock. They picked up their first away win of the season by winning at Eastbourne Borough. Yep, um, obviously excluding Torquay because that's a phenomenal 70 victory. This is my result of the day in, um, in, in the National League South. I think that's a, a really big win for East Thurrock United. On a day when Western Supermare got a victory, East Thurrock could have found themselves joint bottom, um, but a solid 2-0 win away. Sam Higgins in the goals, uh, he's not performed as he would have wanted to this season, but when he has scored, they've been crucial. Um, he's not been scoring one goal in a 4-1 loss when he scored it's generally been winners or equalisers and, and yeah they'll, they'll be really pleased with that result Moving to the top another big game within the playoff picture was Billy Ricky against Welling Billy Ricky came out 2-0 winners and another goal for your man who you picked out as top scorer Adam Coombs 
Yes, indeed. Um, it's it's only a matter of time till he overtakes Jake Robinson at the top now, isn't it? Um, you know, he's he's up to I think eleven for the season now, which isn't you know it's not bad considering he's played for two different clubs, Billericay and Welling, probably two teams you'd expect to be competing for league position at the end of the season, aren't they? Um, and over the last few games, Billericay do seem to be over their little December blip. I think. Um, I don't, I certainly don't expect them to be hauling back Torquay and Woking, um, and seeing the three horse race we had at the beginning of the season, but. Yeah, they they'd be a very good bet for the playoffs. Um, Harry Wheeler's back. The side is still looking strong. We've talked about it a number of weeks. That they've got a good, a lot of good players in that team. Whereas for Welling, what was a really promising first half of the year, of the season, I think it threatens to be quite disappointing now. And Steve King's going to have a real job on his hands, just getting to the end of the season. Um, there's been a lot of talk in the last week or so about the money being stopped he's going to face big cuts to his playing budget we've already seen the likes of John Paul Kissick leaving Steve King's committed to stay which I think says a lot about him as a manager that you know if he walked out the door he would have offers considering the last two years he's had so it'd be really interesting to see how he steadies the welling ship over the next month or so Concord Rangers who had a three points deducted this week for fielding an ineligible player they got a 1-1 draw but losing those three points it just shows how tight it is in the playoffs they're currently ninth now after being in a strong playoff position yeah yeah. I mean if it wasn't for that three point deduction they'd be fifth uh, based on the fact they have a better goal difference than uh, Billericay Town it's, it's astonishing really that only four points separate fifth down to 11th in this division um, you can look at the league table and you can make a realistic argument for anyone from Hemel Hempstead in 14th to actually be able to put together a playoff run in my opinion um, which I think is is fascinating it, w- it wasn't too dissimilar last season it's a league which whilst there might be one or two very strong teams there's a real spread of talent I think the, the fact that they got the huge London player base to pick from there's a lot of teams with a lot of good players um, and they are very well spread around you know, I, want, I look at the likes of Hemel Hempstead, for example. Some of the attacking talent they've got in their side um, does not befit a team who are 14th in the league. They picked up a big 3-0 win yesterday, but they've been mid-table all season. As you say, Dartford and Concord drew one all. And, and what an important result that was for Concord. Um, very easy for them to be feeling a bit sorry for themselves. Um, interestingly, Nana Kie, who's the player that was ineligible when they played their game against Hampton and Richmond Borough, is now actually playing for Hampton and Richmond Borough. Um, who also had a difficult result yesterday when they uh, they lost 1-0 at home to St Albans City. Can I just quickly add in something here, boys, on uh, Concord Rangers? No curse on this podcast. Sam Besant had an absolute blinder for him yesterday. 8 out of 10 in the NL- NLP and, and, and right back to form. So, you know, National League South, North players, if you want a little boost in form, just come on the podcast. Exactly, yeah. yeah, and they also were down to 10 men as well, Concord, they, they, had, they played over half an hour with 10 men as well, having Captain Lee Minchel sent off, so as Tom said, a really good point there for Concord Rangers. Any, anything oh, else that stood out, Tom? Yeah, I'd like to say as well, you know, just before we get too excited about having slayed the curse of the podcast, uh, we had Scott Davies on the other week, didn't we, and he was talking about what a good side Western Supermare were, and then they've gone and beaten his Slough Tower team 2-0 yesterday, which uh, I... I'd like to think we're not at fault for, but we can't be entirely certain. It's not Scott Davis's fault because he was an unused sub yesterday, so we can't really blame him for the loss to Western Supermare either. Good. No, and Good. not only that, but he was it was three weeks ago when he was on the podcast, so that doesn't count. It doesn't count as a curse. Happy with that. This is a really important result for Western Supermare, isn't it? It keeps them in touch at the bottom. If it wasn't for that win, they'd be six points adrift at the bottom of the league. Other couple of things that I'd just uh, say about as well, Nathaniel Jarvis... 
uh, another double. He's having a great season for Chippenham Town. Dulwich Hamlet as well. Their attendance was again just under 3,000, which if they were maintaining this across the season, if they hadn't had to play the first half of the year at Tooting and Mitcham's ground, um, that would be comfortably the highest average in the National League South and only Stockport County with a higher average um, in the whole of Step 2. It's it really indicative of what just a, a strong supporter base they've got. They've got the worst form in the league at the moment, unfortunately, but if they can see it to the end of the season, with that amount of money coming through the gate each week, they could put together a really good crack at the National League South next year. Yeah, and to be fair, it just, just indicates really what Gotti said that he didn't say that they were in a false position, but he said even Western Supermare, who are bottom of the league, they yeah. really impressed him when he played against them and uh, I think it's a, a double now for Western Supermare and uh, they'll, they'll take every point they can get well Tom we mentioned a few weeks ago we, we thought Western Supermare were dead and buried they're only three points out of getting out of the relegation zone they've had a really they made a lot of money on the cut run on a, the FA Cup run this year as well and that means they'll be able to strengthen the squad and maybe overtake those teams so they definitely can't be ruled out now can they no they can't um, you know I, I do think that those those teams at the bottom those four teams who are they're making up the bottom four at the moment. East Thurrock, Gloucester City, Hungerford and Western Supermare. I do think they will also be the bottom four. The only team I can really see getting sucked into it are probably Hampton and Richmond Borough. They're a long way clear at the moment. They're nine points away, but um, their form is pretty dreadful at the moment. And I just I just worry about them a little bit. Um, as I said, I think Dulwich, uh, now that they're back at home, their home ground, I think they should be able to pull away. I think Truro City are too strong to be relegated, really. So yeah, those bottom four are the four that I'd be concerned about one other thing I was just going to say as well we, we talked a lot about the relative strength of the north and the south it's a recurring theme for us whilst I think the north historically they, they do tend to perform better when they come up I think the south as a division is potentially whilst not stronger is more competitive um, you don't tend to see the teams who are you know really cast adrift at the bottom as you sometimes do in the north I, I think generally any team can put together a good run and see themselves rocketing up the table Whereas, you know, you look at the Northern League, you know, the likes of Nuneaton Borough, who are 14 points adrift of safety at the moment, 14 points in the National League South can take you from 19th right up to, you know, 12th. Hi, my name's Steve Claridge. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. We are back looking at our Step 3 focus this week, but I've left it to Rob to deal with it this week. So, Rob, what have you got for us? Well, a little bit of a focus on the leagues and how they're doing and also uh, a chat with uh, somebody who's managing uh, towards the top end of one of those leagues as well. So, wanted to mention just uh, briefly three teams uh, in the Northern Premier League, South Shields, you came up, of course, with uh, your team Hyde last season. They are flying. They've hit the top now, and they still have a 100% home record uh, towards the end of January. 5-2 win over Whitby yesterday. Big, big shootout at the top as well, a little bit further south. Kettering coming from behind to win 2-1 at Stourbridge. And those two late goals from Brett Sulkin and Tom Knowles took them above Stourbridge to the top of their league so I'm sure there'll be uh, a little bit more mileage in that one but huge crowd yesterday at Stourbridge 1,734 and then a little bit further south uh, there was a battle of two former Aldershot Town players and an absolute cracker it was um, Tom a few weeks ago spoke to Steve Claridge manager of uh, Salisbury and they came up against uh, Weymouth managed by Mark Molesley what a cracking game it was to three all going into added time and then uh, Weymouth uh, nicked it right at the death so a 4-3 win for them which uh, 
helped them leapfrog Salisbury and took them up to third place with uh, games in hand that could maybe take them to the top of the league. I couldn't resist an opportunity to catch up with the Weymouth manager, Mark Molesley. Well, I'm now kindly joined on the phone by somebody who I watched on the terraces as an Aldershot Town fan and then more latterly in his third spell with the club, I think it was, interviewed him on a few occasions. I'm delighted to speak once again now in another different guise to uh, Mr. Mark Molesley. How are you doing, Mark? Yeah, good afternoon. Very well, thank you. Especially after a win yesterday, you always feel a bit better on a Sunday. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't have dared to get in touch if you'd lost, Mark. I wouldn't have dared. So, Mark Molesley, now manager of Weymouth, and we'll come on to yesterday's game and, and the state of the league in general in a minute. But uh, I've got to ask you, because it's been a couple of years since we've spoken, how are you finding life in management, Mark? I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. And every day is a learning curve for me. I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work at, at Bournemouth during the week and I'm surrounded by some very good people. You know, I feel like I'm getting a good education in the game there and I'm, I'm just trying to put it into practice, find my own way in management. In terms of, you probably thought life was tough at times as a footballer, but I bet since you've become a manager, you, you have to put an awful lot more work in now, don't you? Yeah, it never switch off. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult. So my wife gets annoyed with me sometimes where you're back in the house and you're trying to listen but sometimes you're just hatred you're just your mind's elsewhere you know it's the first thing you think about in the morning and it's the last thing you think about at night whether you've got training right or the game or you know so it, it, it takes up a lot of your attention so let's just set the scene for the listeners really you'll have to help me with this one it's the Evo Stick Southern Premier Central isn't it that you're uh, competing in I believe so, yeah, the southern the southern side of it. It's, um, I think they split it up into four now, which go into the conference, which feed the conference south and the conference north. You've been uh, competing at the top end of the division all season. It's a very competitive league. And you had a big game against Steve Claridge's side, Salisbury. Uh, just take us through your version of uh, what happened yesterday, Mark, and the, and, and the happy ending. Yeah, it was fun. Well, it was thrilling game I think for the for the spectators or the neutrals for a manager it was a little bit hairy I must admit I thought we had a real good first half and got ourselves into a good commanding position went 2-0 up in the break yeah I thought we had a real good first half and you know it was a bit of a rivalry there and where we were in the, you know, we were both competing at the top end of the table and it's a bit of a tough scoreline um, probably to come out in the second half do you stick or do you twist a little bit and um, you know Salisbury you knew that they're you know, they would rally and, and come at us and, you know, the, the heavens opened up and the, the rain was lashing down and it was sort of a, got a bit slippy and slidey out there and unfortunately we got pegged back. We went 2-1 and then we got ourselves back ahead 3-1 and then unfortunately got pegged back to 3-3 and you sort of, you're feeling the worst and, um, you know, the way the game was, got the momentum had swung a little bit but true, true uh, testament to our boys, the character and the resilience they showed to, um, you know, come back. And, and get the win I thought was uh, you know a real good showing from us and that leaves you you know the question that's going to come up now but that leaves you in third place and it leaves you seven points behind the leaders Taunton with three games in hand I know you'd take the seven points if you could Mark but equally you have to keep your head and take one game at a time but you're in with a shout aren't you as we enter the final two three months of the season certainly in and about that title race and how do you view it? Yeah, exactly what you just said. Yeah, we've, we've, we've got a fighting chance and that's that's all we can, that's all, you know, we've worked hard to get in fighting chance and we've got to do our best to try and see it through but like, like you said, it, it's, it's, we literally take one game as it comes. I know it's 
it's a bit uh, you know boring to hear but literally you know we, can, we can't get ahead of ourselves yesterday was a good win but all it was was three points we haven't achieved or done anything as I said we're just trying to you know chase down we're, we're not top of the table we've got everything to fight for and, and, and we're chasing we've got you know we've got keep our consistency and you know I'm sure we keep playing the way we know we can play and um, keep our attitude and our work rate um, and you know I feel that we've got we've got a good a chance as anyone in the league now a question from Tom who does the uh, podcast with us and uh, watches quite a lot of uh, step three football and football down in the uh, southwest as well he said are you surprised by just how strong this division's been this season you know, particularly the likes of Taunton going so well and Met Police, I don't think anybody even within their own club thought that they'd be pushing as high as they are second place at the moment. Uh, you know, the league's been really tough this year. And I think like, like last year, we had some real big hitters in there. Kings Lynn, Kettering, Slough and, and Hereford and they're real strong teams. Um, but there's, there's a bit of a gap probably. But this year, that gap isn't. You know, it's, everyone beats everyone. Every game presents a different challenge. And there's probably, you know, at the moment, there's four of us fighting for top spot, all within, you know, once you get your games in hands or whatever, we're all within points of each other. Um, and then there's a couple of others, you know, three or four chasing for playoffs as well. So mm. it's a real tight league. Um, every game, like I said, throws up a different challenge. And and there's, um, I, I probably have been surprised by by how, how competitive this thing. Now, let's get on to the great unknown, really, those super playoffs, Mark. I mean, we know that next season there'll be two automatic places. This season, if you want to be sure of going up, you've got to win the league, haven't you? How do you how do you understand those super playoffs? Because I can't get my head around it. Well, I try not to look too far ahead, but uh, yeah. you, do, you do hear about them, and it's like, yeah, you win your playoffs, and then a super playoff, it's like, uh, yeah, you've got, to do, you've got to do really well to, to get through then, and it's... You know, that's why that top spot's also, also much more important because, uh, yeah, it seems like you've got quite a few games and uh, to get through to try and to try and get promoted at the end of the season. Well, thanks ever so much, Mark, for joining us, and uh, we hope I certainly hope to try and get along to a game before the end of the season. We wish Weymouth the best of luck. If you do get involved in those end of season playoffs then certainly myself or Tom will get down and we'll come and have a chat with you in person. But uh, in the meantime, look after yourself. So that was Weymouth manager Mark Mosley of the Evo Stick Southern Premier Division South and they're having a decent season Weymouth they feel as though they're in the mix but there are other teams in there including a team that you know really well Tom Met Police Step 3 is is absolutely fascinating this season with four divisions but only th- uh, six promotion spots so obviously the, the first place team will all go up but then there will be super playoffs to decide uh, which of the other two teams from the four divisions go up. So it is going to be really hotly fought and teams are really going to be going for the title race right till the last minute um, to guarantee that promotion. Now, as you say, the, the league down in the south, the Stick League Southern Premier Division South, which is a delightful mouthful, um, is being really hotly contested this season. Weymouth under Mark Mosley have been right in the mix all season long. Um, for my money, as a squad, they're probably the strongest squad in the division. I really like the look of their team. They're already a strong side, but they've brought in the likes of uh, Calvin Brooks in the summer, who's a really, you know, really quality player. People like Abdullah Bell Baggy, who was on the books at West Brom as a youngster, and of course they've got uh, Brandon Goodship, who's just one of the most consistent step step three goal scorers around. Um, however, as you say, there are other teams who are doing really well. Taunton Town, who came up and were promoted, are actually sitting top. However, both Weymouth and probably the surprise package of the season, the Met Police 
are the two teams that can overtake them if they win their games in hand. I've spoken about Met Police before, so I don't want to wax too lyrical about them. But it really is astonishing when you consider that people were really worried about their performance in the league this season. Um, with the additional travelling distance, they have to pay for nine coach rides this season as opposed to only two, which they did last season because of the, the change in division. They lost their long-serving manager. But what they did have was they had Gavin McPherson ready to step in. Um, Gavin McPherson's been around the club for 14 years as assistant manager and player. He knows it inside out and he's got a great team around him, particularly with John Nurse, who, who is very heavily involved with the, the youth section as well. Now, what they did do very well in the summer was they recruited well. Um, they brought in Jack Mazzone, who had top scored at South Park in step four. And they also brought in Max Blackmore, who had top scored for Westfield as they got promoted from step five to step four. There were question marks over whether those two could step up uh, to the new division but they've been answered pretty much emphatically with uh, 18 goals from his own and 17 goals for Blackmore so far this season um, which is the, the best striking partnership in the division also something that Met Police have done fantastically is they've brought through youth products the likes of Ethan Chislett who is attracting Football League attention has come up through the youth system Nesta Guinness-Walker's played most of the season for them uh, uh, left back he, played, he started against Newport County he's only I think 17, 18 years old um, and they've really relied on those young players and they've built a great atmosphere down there. It'll be interesting to see if they can stick outright at the end of the season. Teams like Salisbury and Weymouth have, have got much greater resource than them and the ability to go out and pay uh, and you know pay players more, but also you know they've just got a deeper squad to draw from. Interesting as well in that division, and I would like to just mention it before we go on, uh, was Kings Langley who got, uh, who got the result that they would have wanted yesterday. Unfortunately, in the week, Kings Langley suffered the death of one of their their most well-known fans uh, but Matt Alcock collapsed and died last week uh, shortly after attending their game against Weymouth and the club made this their game against Stainstown yesterday a game held in his memory um, and picking up a 3-1 win will have been exactly what the club wanted just to, to see him off in the right way um, so a touching moment for Kings Langley uh, after what has been a difficult week for them. Yeah, and all of us here at the podcast send our condolences out to Matt's family and everyone at, at Kings Langley as well. Interestingly, Tom, as well, there's a good piece in the non paper about the restructuring and from next season, all Step 3 sides will have two automatic promotion spots as well. Yeah, um, you know, it's been argued for a long time, hasn't it, about whether or not four sides should be going down from Step 2, uh, from each of the Step 2 leagues and it looks like that's going to be the case next season so I think that's I think that's fair I think the idea of slugging it out for a whole season getting into the playoffs potentially finishing second and getting into the playoffs and then still not getting promoted would be pretty galling I think and that is all for this week on the NL Full Time podcast thank you very much for joining us you can follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time Subscribe as well on iTunes and Spotify and also via the podcast app. Tom, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. Always look forward to it. See you, Rob. All the best. We'll speak to you next week. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Chris, thanks for joining us again. No problem, Luke. Until then, all that's left for me to say is thank you very much for listening and we shall see you all very soon.